This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Skate Podcast on weei.com. Bobby Orr, behind the net, the status and the For the first time in 39 years, the Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup. Talking Bruins and NHL. Sure, old-time hockey. Like it is sure. With writer and producer Brian DeFelice. Brian DeFelice is an emerging talent. Bridget Prue. Yeah, he's a little bit on the hot seat. Burn him! And WEEI.com Bruins writer Scott McLaughlin. Oh, great Scott. Lace him up for some bees talk right now. I'm looking at the Skate Pod on WEEI. Welcome into episode 100 of the Skate Podcast. I'm Brian DeFelice, joined as always by Bridget Pru and Scott McLaughlin. And some news to, to discuss this week, guys. Um, the Bruins have re-signed, or extended rather, Don Sweeney. We don't know the details necessarily on his deal, but he's sticking around for at least another year. More pressing is that the, the Bruins seem to have found their next head coach. Uh, it's not official as we speak, but it seems that the word is Jim Montgomery for three years at $2 million a year. That's That was the rumored contract. So I guess uh, just your guys' initial takes on it. Yeah, I mean, it It, it seemed like a, a shift kind of happened late, at least in terms of the reporting, maybe not necessarily with within the Bruins themselves, but you know, there were all these signs pointing to David Quinn, David Quinn. He was the one name that kept surfacing in everyone's reports as a finalist, as getting a second interview, uh, meeting with team ownership. Like Quinn, Quinn was a name who was on people's list from the start. He was a name that was there pretty much right till the end. Um, but sort of like just really in the last few days leading up to to Thursday night, uh, it kind of seemed to be shifting to Montgomery, where he had a second interview as well and all of a sudden he was appearing on people's list of finalists jay leach was the other you know i'd say most common name that was popping up um a little bit of mike volucci the pittsburgh penguins assistant who kind of surfaced late in the process as well but yeah it, it you know obviously the the bruins liked montgomery the most and, and i think it's pretty easy to see why like there's you know the one sort of thing that I think everyone needed to be clear on from the top was, you know, does Montgomery deserve this chance? Because he was fired from Dallas in December of 2019 for what was called unprofessional conduct. Montgomery 
acknowledged after the fact that he had an alcohol problem, checked himself into rehab, by all accounts has been clean, professional, all of that since then, you know, been an assistant coach with the St. Louis Blues the last two years. Um, And, you know, talk to other teams. So it's not like the Bruins are the only ones interested or the only ones who are going to take a chance on him or anything like that. He, He was reportedly one of the finalists in Winnipeg, which was one of the last few teams along with the Bruins that didn't have a coach yet. Um, so I think it sort of seemed like the time was now for him to, to get another chance. You know, I think he proved a lot these last two years in St. Louis, both in terms of coaching, uh, you know, he helped oversee the blues offense and power play, which were both terrific this year. The blues ranked third in overall offense, second on the power play, fourth and five and five scoring all things that the Bruins were looking for. Um, and also proved himself personally that, you know, that he was in a better place and that what happened in Dallas was not going to happen again. Um, obviously, you know, anyone who knows anyone who's dealt with alcohol abuse or has gone through it themselves, like people will tell you, you know, it's, it's an everyday fight. Like it's not, you don't get a year or two away from it and all of a sudden you're good and you have to never have to think about it again. Like it, it will be an everyday fight for Joe Montgomery, but he seems to have a good handle on it at this point. Um, and, you know, we'll dive into sort of his resume and some of the things that he's known for, but uh, you know, obviously the Bruins became convinced that, that he was the right guy that the time was now and that he, he checked a lot of their boxes. Yeah. And I think, it had like the power play, the fact that he was in charge of such a dominant power play this season for St. Louis, they were 25 and a half percent on the power play. That's obviously really good. Like Scott mentioned second um, this past season. And that is something the Bruins have been struggling with. And it was fairly obvious towards the end of the season and really obvious in the playoffs that the Bruins needed help in that, in that category. And uh, you know, there, I'm sure when we actually do have this press conference for Montgomery, the question will be asked about, you know, uh, what's changed for him since the firing uh, in Dallas. And he'll have to answer probably in his opening press conference, but I assume that that stuff will kind of go away as, you know, as the season goes on. I don't think he'll have to, we'll get, we'll, Scott and I and the rest of the media will kind of, get a good gauge on him as we meet him and head through the season. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think it's a, um, I think of the candidates that they, that they were, were interviewing. I, I think he's a good hire. I mean, I, it, it's, uh, it's interesting. I was looking at his, at his, um, his bio and his, his last year in the NHL was in 2005. So, I mean, when 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 people say that, and you've seen rumblings that people that players love playing for him and all that stuff, which is clearly you know where they were trying to go with the new coach. That's the new direction that they were trying to go in. Um, that's the difference with Cassidy, allegedly. Um, but I didn't realize he played in the NHL that recent. I mean, you know, seventeen years ago isn't you know in the grand scheme of life isn't that long long ago. Um, so he's younger. He's fifty three on the younger end of the NHL coaches. So, I mean, I, I it's it's a, it's a it'll be a good hire, I think. Um I don't know how how much of a position he'll be put in to succeed. Um we'll have to see 
how the roster is constructed, which to me is still the biggest, the biggest deal. Uh, and, um, like I, I, I've been so, uh, it's been tough for me to get excited about, about this coaching carousel, uh, of interviews because a, I liked Cassidy a lot. I thought that he did his job the best between him, Neely and Sweeney. Um, but I also just don't think that the coach was the issue with last year's team. Um, so uh, it's kind of distracted me a little bit from like you know this coaching if, from 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 really being excited about who the new coach is because I just don't, unless the roster significantly changes for the better, which is going to be very difficult to do in this off season, I don't know how much the coach is going to make a difference. I mean, the players may like him more, but does it does that result to more wins? I don't know, but everything I've seen online, people who are kind of in the know that have had experience with, with, uh, with Montgomery or have had friends play for Montgomery in the past um, at different stops of his coaching career say that everybody loves to play for him. And that seems to be, like I said, what the Bruins are trying to go for. Yeah, Joe, Joe McDonald had a quote uh, yesterday, which today's Friday, um, and they're expected to announce the hiring today at some point. But um Joe McDonald, who was one of the reporters who uh, reports for Worcester TNG, he's, you know, he was the one who mentioned Mike Felucci was going to interview, and and, um, he was one of the people who uh, reported on the Jim Montgomery hiring. Uh, But he also talked to, and I assume this was Tori Krug that he talked to, because it says, former Bruin and current NHL player on Montgomery. And Montgomery was working with St. Louis. I just assumed it was Tori Krug that he talked to. And this is the quote from that NHL player. It's, uh, it says, Jim Montgomery is a great coach and even better person. The guys will love playing for him, and he will make this team a contender. So it's a former Bruin and a current NHL player that probably plays hey, for St. Louis. Could, could be Tyler Sagan. Maybe Joey Mack has, oh, yeah. has a great relationship with with Sagan, sure. it could also uh, be, it could also be Danton Heinen because didn't he play for uh, also true? Yeah, U- play for uh, him in college, and they yeah. won a national championship. Yeah, yeah but I, I think yeah, Krug's not a bad bet for that though. No. Um, but yeah, so you know, I think Montgomery uh, has done really a little bit of everything that, that the Bruins are looking for because Brian, like you were touching on, like. Yes, we know because Sweeney and Neely have both told us that connecting with young players, developing young players is going to be important for the next coach. Um, But also, you know, making a run at it now and, and you know, coaching through these last year, two years, whatever it ends up being with Patrice Bergeron, like someone who can do that. Um, And that's a tough balance. Like there aren't a lot of coaches who – could be the right guy to both try to win now and work with some of those teams veterans and also help in the transition to sort of the next era and help develop young players. And Montgomery has actually done both of those things. Like in Dallas, he had veterans like Jamie Ben, Alex Radulov, Jason Spezza, um, Ben Bishop as a goalie. Sagan at that point was already a bit of a veteran, um, but also had, two rookies in Miro Heiskanen and Rupe Hintz who have gone on to become stars in the NHL, uh, in St. Louis. No pun intended. Ooh, good. Yeah. Very, that was great. 
excellent work by me. Um, also, you know, in St. Louis, worked with, we just mentioned Krug, Ryan O'Reilly, Braden Shen, David Perron, guys who have been around a while. Also got credit. I saw this from Jeremy Rutherford of, of The Athletic, who covers the Blues, you know, said that he had he worked really closely with Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo, who were 22 and 23 years old this last season, both had massive breakout seasons, topping 70 points. Um, so he has both of those things on his record. Obviously, we covered, you know, his time at Denver where he won a national championship. You know, Danton Heinen, Will Butcher, Trevor Moore, who's gone on to a good career with the Kings, uh, among the players he's worked. Logan O'Connor, who just won the Cup with the Avalanche. Um, in Dubuque in the USHL, he won two Clark Cups in three years there. Uh, Coach Johnny Gaudreau, who I tweeted out this quote this morning from a 2015 article where Gaudreau said Montgomery was one of the people who helped prepare him the most for college and for the pros. So he has all of that on his resume. And I don't, the question with Jim Montgomery was never about his resume. When he got hired by the Stars, that was seen as an excellent hire because there were definitely other teams that were interested. Uh, He had done a terrific job at the University of Denver and was very much in demand. Um, and then obviously his second season there is when things went sideways and, and really his career went sideways and he needed this reset for, you know, to reset for the last couple of years. But, you know, whether he can coach, whether he can get the, he's had teams, we talked about the blues, you know, taking step forward offensively this year and how they kind of remade themselves. He also had a great defensive team in Dallas, in 2018-19, they were second in the NHL in goals against. His Denver team that won the national title gave up the fewest goals in the country that year. Like, so he's done both. He, like, he has all of it on his resume. It's so easy to see why the Bruins liked him, like why they were impressed. So the only question was, you know, is is he in a good place, you know, personally? Is he, you know in a better place in now, you know, on kind of stable ground and ready to, to commit and, you know, to be reliable for years, you know, the Bruins obviously hope this turns into, uh, you know, their long-term coach. Yeah. I like Scott, how you, uh, when you tweeted that quote from Johnny Gaudreau, then you made sure to put underneath it for the record. I don't think there's much chance the Bruins assigned Johnny Gaudreau because of the salary cap. I mean, it's a great idea. I don't know, I don't know how many uh, Burns fans were thinking maybe that would be a possibility, but <laughs> no, it doesn't make sense with the salary cap, but everybody wants to dream about maybe Johnny Gaudreau coming over to Boston. Not going to happen, but... Yeah. And also yeah, I mean, Scott, it, seem, it seems like he's, like, not really talking to the Flames. Like, they, they're kind of waiting for his answer, and he... I don't know if he's just, like, on vacation or what, but that seems like a pretty sticky situation going on there. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, like, honestly, I think Gaudreau would love to play here for Montgomery, but he's not going to do it for, he's not going to do it for $2 million. He's going to do it for 10, so. <laughs> yeah, no, he's he's probably not going to do that. Um, but yeah, and, and another point, uh, first of all, Quinn, Quinn, Quinn was, kind of the guy and Leach were kind of the guys it seemed like they were leaning towards in the beginning. Um, those were probably the two guys they were most excited to get an interview with. But then as things went on, you know, obviously they're impressed with Montgomery over everyone else, but 
we were talking about this right before we recorded. I don't understand completely all of the all of the like negativity that Bruins fans started uh, around if Sweeney had hired Quinn. Uh, I actually thought he was a pretty decent option, um, but <laughs> some Bruins fans on Twitter disagreed. Scott, do you want to take this one? Yeah, because. It was like I think it's fair. I tweeted this at one point. Like I think it's fair to say he could have or should have won more at both BU and with the Rangers. Like, and it's fair to say he's not the guy you want or you thought there were better candidates. But the level that it like turned into, like straight up vitriol towards him was crazy. It was like it, almost by the day, it just seemed to build more and more where, like, this bandwagon of hating David Quinn formed. And it's like, you w- by the end of it, like, you would have thought that he walked in onto a Rangers team that was, like, in the conference finals and took them to the basement instead of he got there, inherited an awful team that was clearly rebuilding and actually probably, like, outperformed. I think the Rangers initially expected that rebuild to last longer and get them more high picks. And he actually got them to like a fringe playoff team. His last two years there, they barely missed the playoffs. Um, If you want to say they should have been in the playoffs, totally fair. Got it. Um, At BU, if you want to say they should have won the national title with Eichel instead of losing in the finals because their goalie dropped the puck into his own net. Fine. If if you think they hurt Scott, you know, if, if they should have gone back to the frozen four, Again, other than than just once in five years, fair, like all legitimate, but it was so bizarre how it became like Quinn would be the worst hire ever and like all this. And it's like, I don't know, like, again, I said this on our last podcast, like I admit I'm a bit biased because I like David Quinn personally. I've talked to him a lot over the years. Um, You want to be you. Yep. But like. I mean, he's always struck me as, like, a pretty smart guy who understands a lot about hockey. He has certainly helped develop a lot of young players uh, throughout his career in all sorts of different positions, going all the way back to, you know, the U.S. development program when he coached there. Um, I just I, – I don't get why it turned, like, as negative as it did, where it went from he wouldn't be my preferred candidate to – he would be like the worst coaching hire in the history of Boston sports. And which I don't understand because I have my color commentator at Yale is a diehard Rangers fan. And same with all the other Rangers fans that I know had no issue with Quinn and actually were upset when he got fired. (laughs) Like these, the Rangers fans had, they held him in high regard and they, they were not upset with the, the results and the performance uh, that the team had when he was there because it was kind of expected that this is the roster you have and, you know, make the most of it. And I don't know a single Rangers fan that was really like, oh, he was the worst coach ever. Like, thank God they fired him. I know that, yeah. uh, like I said, my, my color commentator who he loved him. He was a Rangers fan. He absolutely loved Quinn uh, and was upset when he got fired. So yeah, the fact I, I, that Bruins fans just like, Went the other way with it. Yeah, I think it was – I mean, obviously it was easy to look at the Rangers and say they missed the playoffs three years with Quinn, and then his first year gone, they get to the conference finals. But 
I would just point out that they got a Vezina, like almost historically great season from Igor Shesterkin this year, which Quinn did not get during any of his three years. Like he got the end of, you know, a very, unfortunately, very injured Henrik Lundqvist. And then the early years of Shesterkin before he fully broke out this year. Um, like, yeah, I'm sure he would have loved to have been able to call the have a Vezina season Igor Shesterkin play. Like, that's a huge reason for the Rangers' turnaround. A lot of the other stuff wasn't all that different from the Rangers last year. Like, Adam Fox won the Norse Trophy under Quinn. Some of those young players were starting to take steps forward. Ryan Lindgren had developed into a top-pairing defenseman. Kandre Miller into, you know, a second-pairing guy. Like, some of, some of those things were already happening when he was there, but um, but yeah, I guess it doesn't matter now uh, because well, but no, they, they but it, it, Quinn. it transitions well into something else we need to talk about with Jim Montgomery, which is how well he's set up for success here. Like we're talking about Quinn, what he came into, what pieces he had to work with. Now Jim Montgomery's coming into a team that has first of all first month of the season, a lot of injuries. You know, McAvoy and Grizzlick out for a month about um and just the pieces that they they're still missing and this is what scott's column today was um i think it was today uh jim montgomery can do everything sweeney and neely want if they give him the the right pieces and if you guys want to you know change to that subject what pieces would make his life easier and what's going to be some of the things he struggles with um for what the bruins are lacking right now I mean, <clears throat> I just think, I mean, so if they give him the right pieces, is, is that them admitting that they didn't give Cassidy all the right pieces a little bit? No, this is Scott's column. Yeah, yeah I, I, I know. I the... Okay, so this, this, this is a subjective thing that Scott wrote. This, if was, they give him the this right was Scott's column Okay, today. well, then I, I would say to that, like, fine, I get, like, fair, but I, I think, I think, like, Cassidy didn't get the right pieces um, when he was here, so um, we'll never know what he could have done. If Montgomery can do it with the right pieces, um, it'll have to be. I, I don't know. I just don't. I, I don't see a way. Um, I don't know. It's it's it, they're in a very very interesting uh, position because of the injuries that they have, because of the lack of cap space that they have, but also they just brought back. Uh, well, they're bringing back Bergeron. There's. There seems to be more smoke around the the Krejci fire, um, so I mean, if you can bring back Krejci and Bergeron for relatively cheap money, um, and you have a little a little bit of flexibility with some of the guys on on uh, long term uh, injury reserve, where they can free up a little bit more cap space, I, I I don't I don't really know what they can bring in for him, Scott, um, where he can even show like. <laughs> that he can he can be you know bring him to the promised land because they want to win a cup that's what it the second they brought Bergeron back they want we've seen it before it's like with um Dan Bialsma in uh Pittsburgh and Craig Berube in St. Louis where like sometimes the team wasn't as far away as you thought but the coaching change didn't make a difference the Bruins clearly think that this year that's kind of the situation that they're in like they think that they're there or close to it but they think I don't know if they truly think this, but this is the narrative that they're giving off. 
it was the coach. <laughs> they needed they needed a new voice, somebody who could who could you know help this group a little bit f- further along because Sweeney's defending his his his, his uh, offseason moves last year. He thinks that, and Neely thinks that the team was better than than they proved in the playoffs. Um, so I guess. W- if the real the real question would be if if the Bruins brought back the same roster as last year if Montgomery could get them further than Bruce did but I don't, but bringing back the same rosters we all know isn't isn't the thing that uh, is going to put them over the edge um, so I just I, for me it just comes back to I don't know where the Bruins are going to um, improve this team like I, I from last year right because last year you had Bergeron you had Martian you had McAvoy um, like you had all those guys still. Um, so obviously, if we, who, Crazy. well, that's, that's the thing. Crazy. It's like, it's like, it's like, okay, so, so let's play this out a little bit. Like if, if, if they're, if they find a way to bring Krejci back, um, you know, presumably your one, two centers are Bergeron and Krejci again. Right. And that'll be to start the year. Cause they're both healthy. And then, you know, you, you have, you probably have Charlie Coyle as your three centers still or Halla, but whichever one isn't probably goes to the wing. Uh, so you know, if you bring in Krejci, all of a sudden now you have Bergeron. You, it's you have an aging center group, but at least you have Bergeron, Krejci, Coyle, and Halla as four options up the middle on your top in your top nine. If you depending on how you want to do it, and all of a sudden you know you you are deeper at center than you were last year. They they're still just very tied up against the cap, and I just we'll we'll see how it plays out. I just it's tough for me to see right now. We'll see what they do with players and um as the as the draft approaches. You know maybe. I'm sure that they might have to get creative and buy a couple guys out, or maybe trade a couple of guys. So I, it's t- really tough to to speak on it right now, but I would say it's it's tough to envision at the moment. Yeah, and it kind of comes back to these almost like competing. I don't want maybe like competing goals of are you trying to win now or are you trying to develop young players? And yes, it's possible to do both, but Bruce Cassidy made this point in his press conference with us after he got fired, which is like, it's tough to really give young players a long runway when you're trying to win a cup every year. One, you tend to have a pretty full roster with not a lot of openings in the first place. And two, you're trying to win. So you can't just like let a young player play through mistakes for two months because it's going to hurt you too much. Um, and, like, that's fair. I mean, look at last year's team. It's, like, where was the spot where a young player was going to – we talked about this going into the year, and it and it was true. It was, like, they had, what, 13 forwards signed to NHL contracts? Like, where was the room for a young player to to crack the lineup and, you know, get a long run to show he, he belongs? It, it wasn't there. So, and it's not there right now either because if Bergeron comes back – the only other free agent that they might lose is Curtis Lazar. So that's literally one spot that might get opened up. Like, unless you're then trading players away or, or whatever. But, um, yeah, so it's, you know, it's like, okay, so is Montgomery's goal for year one to try to win the cup because Bergeron's back and maybe Krejci returns? And it's a veteran team again, and that's how they're doing it. Uh, if that's I, I the case, then like I don't know where the room is for to play young players more and let them work through mistakes and you know develop them over the course of the year. 
Or if if you want to do that, then you've got to live with some bumps in the road and maybe you're you're closer to, you know, a fringe playoff team where you're kind of battling just to get in down the stretch. Like that's there is a trade-off there and I'm not I'm not entirely convinced that Don Sweeney really knows exactly which direction he wants to go yet. Like I personally think that, you know, if Bergeron's back and especially if Krejci comes back, I think you have to try to go for it. Like, I don't know what the point would be to just kind of say like, well, I guess, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll just see what happens and, you know, kind of ride it out for a year. Like, no, you, I think you have to try to be trying to win a cup at that point. Um, but that means that then you're, you're postponing that, you know, that developing young players that Sweeney and Neely talked about. Like, I don't know where that comes in. Um, you know, if you have a kind of a veteran laden roster again, that's going to try to win a cup. Yeah. You maybe get the green light to try to plug in a few guys and, and they don't, they're definitely not going to get the more long-term uh, treatment where they can, like you said, make their mistakes and, and learn and push through that. They're not going to, I, I still think they're at the point where they're not gonna put up with that. They they first of all, like you said, don't have the space. Second of all, I do think that uh, the expectation is a is a win now expectation. So I don't know. Maybe you get the green light if Fabian Lysel somehow makes his way up into the roster. Maybe you you give him the exception. Like okay, well we're gonna stick with him a little longer than we normally would because we really think he could you know make progress. Um, but then that's one guy you're not doing that with probably, you know, multiple guys at a time, but you, he might be the exception that you make. That to me is that, that is the, that is the most feasible way that the Bruins can upgrade their forward group next year without having to, you know, go external. And I think in another name I wanted to bring up, because if, if you bring back Krejci and you bring back Lysel, those are two significant uh upgrades or you know offensive improvements in your top six and or top nine that you didn't have last year and th- and that could make a difference and so I'll, I'm, I'm just gonna read off these 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 this forward group that i just wrote down and i think that this if you're the bruins if you're trying to stay competitive as you can without you know going too crazy and spending because quite frankly you can't like if if they had these names as their forward group next year do you think their ceiling could be the promised land? So let's start up top with Marshan Berger on Pashanak. Then a Hall, a Krejci, a Lysel. A third line of a Coil with a Hall on the left and a Craig Smith on the right. And then a fourth line with like Frederick on the left, maybe Oscar Steed on the right, and like a Nosek or a Beecher as a fourth line. Like DeBrusque traded away? Yeah, okay. Uh, you know what? Unintentionally, I, I just totally forgot about DeBrusque. <laughs> so, so yeah, maybe that's maybe that's my subconscious telling me that DeBrusque. Well, I think De, I think I think I don't know. They might try to move one of DeBrusque or Halla um, or Craig Smith. One of those three guys, I think, would be would be beneficial. Yeah, know, it's, it's because it's you, you're gonna need caps, like gonna, yeah, especially if Krejci comes back. Like, even no matter how team friendly Bergeron and Krejci sign for. You need cap space, so it's got to be freed up somewhere, whether it's one of those guys like you mentioned or or one of the defensemen. Yeah, but, like, just do you guys – so do you guys think if they – I guess 
I guess the, the the way to pose the question to you guys is that if you bring back the forward group that they had last year, except there's no longer Curtis Lazar and Felino is just not playing, um, but you are able to integrate Krejci and Lysel, like, I don't know, because they're, they're, like we talked about, they don't have the money to really go grab somebody else. Or, and I don't think they want to. I don't think they want to drastically change. It sounds like they liked what their team was last year. So if you if you if you do bring in Krejci and then you and then Lysel at some point becomes a top top nine forward, but you know could be top six. That that could be that could be enough to get them certainly further than last year. But I still don't know if that's if that's good enough because I don't, I still don't know how I feel about that. Third, well, any any line. team with Krejci is significantly going to be improved. Like. Bringing Krejci in, especially putting him back with Hall, that's all up to Krejci. I hope maybe he got his, you know, he got a taste of, and uh, he satisfied his craving to go play in the Czech Republic. Hopefully that one year was enough for him to, you know, maybe it was kind of like, oh, I, I the grass looked greener. I wanted to go live at home. But then I realized that it's not competitive and I still want to play competitively and, um you know, have to scratch the itch to get the band back together with Bergeron for one last go around and kind of like, you know, Gronk coming out of retirement to play with Brady. Maybe Krejci comes out of uh, not necessarily retirement, but comes back to the NHL to have one last go around with Bergeron. Just an idea. I think Pasternak's yeah. been trying to persuade him to come back. Yeah. And I mean, that that's assuming also that Krejci is able to come back at at least something close to the level he was at when he left. Um, he is 36 years old and he just played a year in a league that is significantly less talented than the NHL. But he also so, did play um, in the Olympics with a higher talent level. Barely. I mean, there barely weren't true. really NHLers there either. World Championship was, you know, some NHLers, kind of a mix of guys. Um, he has not played at high-end NHL caliber hockey since the end of the 2020-21 season. So, you know, that's – like, there would definitely be an adjustment there, and it would take him a bit of time, I think, to get back up to speed and be like, oh, yeah, this is a, this is what NHL hockey looks like. Like, this is a little different than what I was doing last year. I just feel like he's got such a great hockey mind, and also that's, like, the kind of style he plays isn't, like, the <laughs> – isn't like the speed athletic style right. of play. It's more of like the smarts and the, you know, knowing where everyone is on the ice. Uh, and I don't think he really would have seen any decline in that at all. So I, I'm optimistic that if he did come back, he would kind of slot in and him and Taylor Hall would go back to doing that thing. <laughs> but that's, I mean, that's a long shot. If Krejci comes back, I, I don't know what percent chance it is, but um, that would be, you know, such a huge favor to a new head coach to be able to work with Krejci as the second line center, rather than trying to move around the pieces again and, and try to make things work. But doesn't that kind of have to be like Sweeney's goal? Like if he, if he's convinced himself that this roster is, it's right on the cusp. They just need a couple of changes, including the coach. Like, he he has to know Coyle Hall is not the combo at two, two center. So and you don't have it internally, elsewhere. 
and you don't have the money to pay for it for somebody for true market value that has no allegiance to the Bruins or Patrice Bergeron or whatever. Like, if you, don't you think this is kind of Don Sweeney's master plan? Get Bergeron to resign. Bring in a new coach. Get you know get rid of the the, the stench of Cassidy in that locker room. Bring back bring back uh, Krejci, who probably wasn't a fan of Bruce anyway, and just kind of roll back the 2020 2021 team that they had in the playoffs against the Islanders. But you know maybe bring in like a Lysel or somebody young like that. And obviously you have Swayman. So in Allmark now, which is yeah, just don't bring back Tuca. That wouldn't work so well. Right. But don't 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 you kind of get the sense like that's the, like I think that when they lost in the playoffs to the Islanders two years ago, uh, I I thought that Bruins team, I thought they should have beaten the Islanders. I don't think that Islanders team was was very good. I I, I don't mean it. I, they certainly weren't more talented than the Bruins. I just think that the Bruins, I don't know, it, it, whatever. I think that, but that roster had a had a higher ceiling. That roster had a higher ceiling. I could have seen that roster going to the conference finals. This this past year, that, that that lack of a true two center just really from the get-go last year, from this time last year, last summer, I knew it was going to be a problem. I knew it was going to be a problem long-term. Um, but I, I kind of get the sense that Sweeney wants to run back that, the most of that roster from the Islanders series and, you know, hopefully, like, Elias Sell is ready to go and, 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 and hope whatever for the best because they don't have the money to do anything else. Like, don't you feel like yeah. Sweeney's trying to bring back Krejci? Yeah, well, definitely. I mean, they they were clearly at least one, if not two, impact forwards away last year. Uh, so if you if Krejci can be one of them, and maybe by the midway point, Lysel's the other, like, there you go. Or now that's count, also... Could you, you also know, count an improved Jake DeBrusque? Yeah. This, well, yeah, yeah I mean, he's I'm had 25 him as, last as year, an impact though. forward by the end of the year. Like, he, he yeah. was playing, like, a legit top six forward, yeah. so... yeah. Um, and I, you know, I could definitely see a situation where they keep him and he starts the year where he finished it on line with Bergeron and Marchand. Um, and then, you, you know, if Krejci's there, you would get a second line of Paul Krejci Pasternak. Um, and then, you know, you figure out Lacell later whenever he's ready, you know, where he slots in. Um, but yeah, I mean, so I guess to answer your question, you know, could that be like a cup team? It, yeah, it could be like that. You're definitely much closer than you were this year, I think. And, you know, I, I've said it before, like, I, I don't think they were so far away this year where it's like, they, they couldn't even like see a deep playoff run anywhere in their sights. I mean, they went to seven games against a good Carolina team. I think they would have had a chance against the Rangers. I, I don't think that was a team that was significantly more talented than them than them. Um, obviously if anyone ran into, you know, Shostarkin playing as at his absolute best, that was, that was going to be tough. Just like if anyone ran into Vasilevsky playing at his absolute best, that was going to be tough. Um, you know, not saying like one or two moves and all of a sudden they're winning the cup or taking the apps to six or seven games. I was going to say, I don't think it mattered who made it through the East this year. <laughs> like they were going to run into the abs and the abs were going to be like, yeah. I don't see the Bruins even if they had Krejci or whatever, like coming up against that abs team and having success. Yeah. And you know, look, there's going to be turnover with every other team. Like the abs, the abs do have a lot of cap space, but they also have a ton of guys to resign. Um, yeah. They're like, 
they mo- most likely they have to pick between in terms of their big signing, they can probably afford one of Kadri and Ishushkin, not both. So they're probably gonna have to make a choice there and lose a very good player. Um, you know, Tampa's probably gonna have some turnover again. They are once again right at the cap. Um, you know, Palazzo free agent. I don't as of right now, I don't think they have the money to re-sign him. So they just signed Paul to a long-term contract today. Oh yeah. Yeah. Nick Paul. Yeah. For like 3 million bucks. So that, that was one of those interesting, you know, long deals, but not for a lot of money, which is kind of like something that quite a few teams have done, but Tampa has definitely made a habit of doing, um, which I guess is smart business in the short term. Cause he allows you to keep those guys for, you know, on, on team friendly deals. But I think, you know, you could end up with a, uh, some money locked up in depth guys long-term, but again, obviously the lightning aren't worried about that right now. They're worried about remaining competitive and a cup contender for the next two, three years and not necessarily six or seven. I love Pilat. He's an absolute gamer. I wish the Bruins had some cap space right now because <laughs> he's, he's somebody who just like, he just never Yeah. I mean, there's, <laughs> there's a lot of players to love that, that are available that, you know, if you had cap space, you could, you could go after. But yeah, yeah, Burkowski is another one from Colorado that that's free agent now. Yep. So, so is mean, there... you're never going to sign him. He's going to cost you like five to six mil. So yeah, I mean, is there is there is do you think do you think Sweeney's trying to explore how to gain some cap space right now? Is do you think he's he's looking at some possible trades for picks at the come, come up with the draft? Uh, yes, I, I think probably just, well, I won't say anything, but I think a lot's on the table in terms of things Sweeney would consider. Um, because yeah, I think, I mean, maybe I shouldn't assume, but I feel like Sweeney knows there's got to be some changes to the roster. And like, we've already touched on that, you know, adding Krejci would be an obvious one, but even that will require freeing up some space, but if it's not Krejci, then it's going to be someone else. Like, there has to be some sort of upgrade to this forward group. So that money has to come from somewhere. Um, so I think, you know, whether it's, you know, buying out Nick Felino would, would free up some, whether it's trading guys away, whether it's trading for draft picks, you know, it, it might be one of your higher-end guys. Maybe that brings back a return that you're comfortable with. And we haven't, you know, we haven't even gone to the David Postenart stuff which I kind of keep pushing off because I still have not seen like any indication that he has no interest in re-signing. Like they're, they're going to meet in July, uh, probably within like the next week or two. I think July, I don't know. I forget these 13th maybe is when he's eligible for an extension. Um, I, I would, I still lean towards, you know, I think he probably wants to sign an extension as long as the, the money's fair. I don't think he's going to ask for absolute top dollar, but I think you're probably going to have to get to 9 million and, you know, it's going to come in around nine, nine and a half. Um, I still think that's going to happen. So until, until or unless we get like a clear indication that it's not for whatever reason, I, I kind of roll my eyes a little bit at the, like, well, you're going to trade Postnock thing. You know, I still kind of feel like that we're not at that bridge yet. Um, but that would have to be something you 
if you got that indication that Pazanic doesn't want to sign or he wants to test free agency next year, then then you would have to explore that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think like I think one of the biggest things that hindered the Bruins last year in the playoffs was was that the absence of like Craig Smith and and Trent for, like that third line killed them. So like I don't know if you can maybe move a Smith or a Halla at the de- at the uh, at the draft for like you know I, I don't know like a late like a third round pick or something. I don't know. I'm not really sure what they're worth, but maybe that could be a way. As far as Pashnak goes, do you think that you said he might not want top dollar? Do you think when you look at the top forwards in the league, um, do you think he deserves top dollar if he were to go to market? I mean, I would say that if we were talking a year, year and a half, two years ago, I would say absolutely. Like up when COVID went down, when COVID happened and he was on pace for like 55 goals, probably maybe more, certainly over 50 when he had 48 when the, when the COVID pause happened. Um, you know, he was the top goal scorer in the world, him and Ovechkin. He's, he still is, I think, you know, one of the top five goal scorers in the world. But when you look at somebody like an Austin Matthews scoring 60-plus goals now, and you have McDavid out there, like those are the guys that if they were to go to market, they're top dollar, right? So do you think if he asks for top dollar, he should get top dollar? Um, I don't know about should, but I think he would because it's all about timing. It's all about who's available now. And if he were to hit free agency next year, um, I haven't looked, but I, I don't think there's anyone better than him who would be out there. Like he would be the top free agent. And I think someone would give him, if we're talking top dollars and like over 10 million a year, I think someone would give that to him, whether it's one, two, three teams that would jump in at that price point. I don't know, but someone would. So all it takes is one team to, think you're worth that and I absolutely believe that that someone would think that and would offer him that um I'm just going off the last time Pasenak signed his extension he talked about how like money isn't the most important thing in the world to him um and I guess you know things can change as as you grow up and you're you know however many years later it's going to be five six years later um but I still don't – he still doesn't strike me as a guy where that's going to be the most important thing for him. Like, I, I still think, yes, he's going to want to get paid fairly. Like, he's not he's not going to take seven and a half or $8 million. He knows he's worth more than that. He saw that Charlie McAvoy got nine and a half. So I think he's going to expect to at least be close to that. Um, but I, I, I don't expect him to, like, hold out for – 10 and a half or anything like that. I think, I think there's, there's a clear common ground that can be found between the two sides. Um, so to me, the only question is whether, you know, whether he's happy in Boston long-term and I get the sense that he would be, but I don't know, maybe, you know, there's other stuff at play or maybe wants to see what's out there. But I do think, you know, the Bruins, the Bruins wouldn't be able to afford to wait for him to become a free agent. Like you've kind of, you kind of have to make that decision this summer. Um, if, you know, if he's not really pouncing at the opportunity to sign an extension now. So what you're saying, Scott, is uh, you're trying to make people worried that in the next week here, uh, Pasternak could get traded rather than extended. 
No, and so I mean the the timing is interesting because technically they can't talk until after the draft. Yeah, the draft um, and the draft's in six days. Yeah, so and free agency is July thirteenth, so it's not far all that far out anyway. So yeah, I mean we know you know conversations can happen through back channels and stuff, but like technically they're they're not supposed to be able to talk about an extension yet. They they have to wait for the new league year until Pasternak is one year out from when his contract expires. Um, so that would be after the draft. So that, that also like complicates it because then it's like, okay, well you can't, unless through those back channels, you get a clear indication that he doesn't want to sign, then you're not trading him at this year's draft. So you're not getting one of the topics this year. Um, and then it becomes like a tough sell to what you're going to trade possibly for a future one. Okay. Well, what if the team he goes to, improves a bunch and it's like now you're looking at a pick in the teens like that's that doesn't seem like fair value for a player like david possible let's all let's all hope that that is just not on the table yeah. the next i don't i don't think he's going anywhere i think he um i think he loves boss and i also think another factor for all the relationships that he's he's created i mean it's 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 hard to it's hard to remember sometimes just how young he is, but at the same time, how long he's been here, right? So, like, I mean, I remember, I, I was, I was, yeah, I mean, I remember when he debuted. I was still in college, and like, I'm 28 now. It's like he's, so he's, he he he's been in the league since he was 18 years old. He's like 26 years old, 25 years old, however old he is. Um, but yet he feels like, he, he, but he wasn't he wasn't here that long after they won the cup. He was only he debuted three years after they won the cup. So it's just crazy, like how long he's been here. I think he's been a ton of friendships um, that are invaluable. I think he loves Boston. I also think another big factor when 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 discussing a lot of these these European players is I just don't I don't think they love to to play on the west coast of the U.S. I think they like to stay on the east coast if they can. I know it's tempting with the weather out there, but but when their family's back home, I just don't think they like to be, you know, uh, you know. They'd rather be ten, uh, you know, whatever it is, six hours apart than ten or eleven. So, and I think Hampus Lindholm alluded to that too when he got traded to yeah. Boston. He talked about that. So, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. I think if he felt as though that the Bruins were going to try to get him at a bargain price second time around, I, I don't think he would appreciate that. And maybe he'd be like, "All right, well, I'm going to have to do what's best for myself and my family." But I think if he understands and the Bruins are adamant that they're going to give him a, fa- you know, a fair fair value deal for him. I don't, I don't think he'll have an interest to test, to test the free agent market. Um, yeah. And, and, yeah and I so. mean like the stuff about, you know, he didn't like what happened with Krejci and Krug. It's like, yeah, obviously he's super close to those guys, but he still has very close friends on the team. Like we've seen him, you know, he hangs out with Charlie McAvoy quite a bit away from the rank. Uh, he was hanging out with Hampus Lindholm in Sweden this summer. Like guess, guess who's locked up long-term in Boston. Charlie McAvoy and Hampus Lindholm. So like there's there's still plenty here for him to like, even knowing obviously that, you know, even if Craig comes back, it's probably only a year. Knowing that Bergeron is retiring at some point soon, knowing that, you know, Marshan's probably not if you sign a, an eight-year deal, Marshan's not gonna be here for all of it. Like he knows all that stuff, but there's still a lot here for him to like. He's friends with Hall too. Like I think yeah. he's tight with Taylor Hall, yeah. who's locked up for well, how long's Hall has what four years left in this deal here? Three. 
Yeah, three, I believe. Yep, he signed a four-year extension after um, last season. Okay. So yeah, and like like Bridges said, hopefully hopefully this is all you know water under the bridge and it's not really gonna, you know, be of of of, of real concern. So well, some I saw someone tweeted that Fourth uh, of July, however many Fourth of Julys ago was when the Bruins traded Tyler Sagan. So yep. don't get nine too drunk, years, twenty thirteen. Uh, <laughs> yeah, don't get too drunk on Fourth of July because who knows emergency podcast. Yeah. I'm just kidding. I'm I'm, I do not. Yesterday. Don't even try to text me on Fourth of July. <laughs> I know. I remember that deal like it was yesterday. I was. I. I, I couldn't believe that one. Um. Anyway, but at least they. At least they kept Horton though, which is good. Oh, never mind. He. He went too. Huh. <laughs> um. Yeah. So it's what it is. I just saw a funny video on on Instagram. You know that guy McDermott from the Avalanche, the the, t- the tough guy. Yeah. They're at. They're they're out partying last night and they're in some like club or whatever and he like he like he's clearly like two two sheets of the wind and he like he like lifts the cup up and instantaneously he falls backwards and he starts teetering and he falls on his back and the cup lands on his chest and his face because he just was so he was so drunk that he just had no sense of balance. But it's just ironic Jesus, that like that would break your ribs. I know, but, like one of the toughest guys in the NHL just like <laughs> just. Oh god! You'll probably see. It. I think Spit and she's like, let's tweet or Instagram it. But too funny that the videos of the Avalanche enjoying the cup are are, yeah. are fun to watch because the the they cop trying it. to stop Bo Byram. <laughs> yeah. Recognize he was a player. <laughs> it's so funny. It's so funny, but good for the Avalanche. I mean, I, I I thought to myself going to the playoffs this year. I was like, these whoever whoever wins the Stanley Cup this year is going to earn it like more so than like any team in the past because the out of, out of the 16 teams that entered the playoffs I mean you could make a case that 13 12 13 14 of them like you wouldn't be surprised if they won the cup there was so much parity every round was a was a was a gauntlet and um and and for the, and for the avalanche to do it I mean you know I think history will tell you that despite what I just said Getting the Oilers in the Conference Finals was kind of a blessing. The, the the Flames choked that one away. If they end if they had to play Calgary in the in the Conference Finals, I think they would have been a little bit more beat beat up going into the Tampa series. But hey, the, the old phrase that Ric Flair says to be the best, you have to beat the best. I mean, not only did they beat the best, but they beat the best in Tampa, where Tampa hoisted the cup last year. So everything about how Colorado went about it was you know just uh, hats off to them. It was a great playoff run for them. And talk about Bridget, your boy Kale McCarr. I mean, come on now. You win the Hobie Baker, you win the Calder, you win the Norris. You win... I should have had that national title too, man. I'm still mad about that. You win the Conn Smythe, won, and then you win the Stanley Cup. They won Cup. the next year. Yeah, and... world world junior gold in there too. Yeah, I mean, he yep. could have really had it all if he had won that title. Um, I mean, in my mind, he did so. I mean, but, uh, <laughs> imagine. Oh, no, he's. I mean, he's incredible. And the the funny thing was after the game where they were interviewing Landeskog and they, and Emily Kaplan says to him, "What does uh, what does another team need to do to to try to like copycat what you guys did this year?" And he said, "Get a Kel McCarr." So that's so much respect for for Kel McCarr there, and and it was just funny because he got he got a lot of respect, and it was due. So uh, he had a great season. He's still so young, and. Uh, yeah, there's no other Kel McCarr, though, so I don't think that advice really uh, really works out. 
I mean, to win the to win the Norris Trophy and then two nights later win the Conn Smythe and the Stanley Cup, it was just it's you know in addition to you know Hobie the, Baker, the Hobie Baker and the Calder and everything. It's just it's it's it's. I mean, kids dream about you know growing up when they're playing hockey, like being in the NHL one day. Like kids don't even dream that because that's just like. It, honestly, your mind just doesn't. Your mind never goes there. Your mind goes like, "Oh, I hope I play in the NHL one day." Like your mind never goes to <laughs> the, the collecting the hardware in the time he's collected it. Like, I mean, I thought it was so interesting to see. I thought that they were going to be remote, like Hedman and, and Makar. I thought they were going to be like on Zoom if they if they won because I didn't think that their team was going to let them go in suits to a award show in the middle of the Stanley Cup Finals. I thought that was very unique, and it was very it was it was the first time that the awards have been after the Stanley Cup being, or before the Stanley Cup being won, I think. So, like, the possibility of, like, current players playing for the finals being there together never really happened before. So to see McCarr and Hedman, like, a day after a grueling game, you know, three or five, or five I don't remember what it was, but uh, just to, like, have to be amicable and clap for each other <laughs> in their, yeah. their three-piece suits, it's like, oh, these guys hate each other right now. It's just... And the front offices of the of the teams, it was just a very very fascinating situation. I thought that was funny. Yeah, and I maybe this is just like the nervous Nelly in me, but like I was thinking, like just any sort of social setting there, like COVID's still a thing. We've seen it impact these playoffs. Charlie McAvoy had to miss a game because of it. Like that that was like one of the things that went through my mind. I was like, if I were in the finals right now, like I would basically have my entire team on lockdown. No, Kale but, McCarr would be in a dungeon and only yeah. let him out until when the game starts. <laughs> but, you know, maybe that's also one of those things where, like, for all we know, the NHL got to a point at some point that these playoffs where it was like, I don't know, maybe they're just not testing anymore. Like, maybe it's, you know, hey, no one say that, we're, like, we stopped testing, but we don't want to lose anyone in the, in the Stanley Cup Well, that final. wouldn't be completely unprecedented because the no. MLB did that in the middle of COVID, so... Yeah, I th- and I think like a lot of these leagues have kind of made up rules and changed things as as they've gone. So. Yeah, I think so. Can, but guys, I gotta go take my dog out. He has yeah, been waiting too. like a good boy. Sounds good. We'll we'll we'll, uh, we'll depart here. You guys have a good fourth, and um, we'll we'll talk next week probably after it's official. Okay. All right. Yes. All right. Let's do it. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you guys soon.